He will never fail you. I failed him many times, but he has never failed me. He's never failed Chris and I. He's always been there. Scripture says, even when you're faithless, he remains faithful. Would you stand? Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you that you're here right now and that you're always faithful. Even when we are faithless, you remain faithful because that's who you are. That's your character. And you will never fail us. So, Lord, I pray over the next few moments that you would just direct our minds and our hearts to you and that we would look to you and would stop looking to everything else to bring fulfillment that just leaves us empty, but we would look to you, Jesus Christ, and you would bring healing to the deepest wounds in our hearts, that you would bring healing to these places, Lord, that no one else can reach and that you would just do miracles in our lives. We thank you for the miracle of life change that's been happening all weekend, Lord, with our students. And we thank you for the fire of passion that you've placed in their hearts that is so contagious that you're using, Lord, to change our church, to change our community, to change our city, to change our world for your glory. And Lord, I pray that you would just do all you want in the next few moments. I pray for everyone worshiping with us online, maybe on the other side of the world, that you'd let them know that you're right there with them. And you know what they're going through and you have the power to meet their needs. I pray for everyone right here in the Woodlands, everyone in our Atascacita campus, that you would just let them know that you're here and you're here to meet their need, Lord Jesus, their deepest need. And I pray that you would do it. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. It's been an amazing weekend with our Reality Weekend. I'm so proud of our students um, over a 1,000 students praising God, learning God's word, digging into God's word, having a blast, but really it's all about Jesus. And I'm telling you, this generation is gonna change the world with God's power. Well, this weekend, uh, we're kicking off this life-changing, this church-changing adventure that we're calling the Gift of One Day Challenge. And it's all about the book that Chris and I wrote about how we found hope in the hardest day of our lives. Now, some of you will remember that two years ago, we kicked off the Gift of One Day Challenge, and then the pandemic hit, everything shut down. We were just launching all of our, our Gift of One Day life groups, and you know we were really disappointed about that, but God knew what he was doing, and now we're kicking off the Gift of One Day 2.0, because Chris and I have learned a lot more about how to live the one-day way. God's given us a lot more wisdom about it, so we have all new curriculum and new videos, and, and we want everyone to get into a life group over the next several weeks. If you're already in a life group, that's great, but if you're not, this is your chance to get in one, and Chris and I want to give everyone in a life group, whether you're in an existing life group or you're getting into a new life group, a free copy of our book, The Gift of One Day, How to Find Hope When Life Gets Hard. And so we want everyone to get in life groups, have the book, and connect with each other, connect to the Lord, because we're a church of life groups. It's great to get together and to worship in the big group. In fact, the bigger it is, the more exciting it is. But then you need a small group, a life group, to do life with. And so we're gonna have our tables out in the foyer of our campuses and online, you can also go online and get connected with people in your area. 
with our online family, but we want everyone to be in a group. It's meeting once a week. Maybe you've got some friends, some neighbors. You can invite over to your home and, and have some refreshments and then just really watch the, the DVD for about five minutes or, or just download it. We've got that online. We've got everything that you need to really connect in your small group or start and launch a new small group. But it's gonna be exciting over the next several weeks because we're gonna learn how to live the one-day way. I want you to imagine that your life is a journey and every day is one step, okay? So we've got Sunday, you are in Sunday. And then you've got Monday, you take one step, you're in Monday. Tuesday, one step. Wednesday, the day a lot of you would like to just take a jump over, but no, it's one step. Thursday, Friday, and this keeps on going all throughout your life. Each day is one step in this journey of your life. Now, that's a really accurate picture, actually, of what our lives are. It's one step a day. And today we're talking about the one-day way of living, because that's the only way to live, according to Scripture. And each of our days is blocked off by a sunrise and a sunset, a sunrise and a sunset. We get to take one step. Now, here's the deal, though. You don't get to take more than one step a day. You can't take two steps. You can't take three steps. You can't run ahead and take 10 steps and then take a little break and sit down and relax. It's one step a day. Each day is a step. And that is the way to live. Each day we are obeying, we're living in Christ, we're using whatever he gives us for the day, and then we move into the next day. We can't save it up. Now, our grandson Jude Samuel lived for exactly one day. We had prayed as hard as we could, as hard as we've ever prayed for anything in our lives, just agonizing, praying for more, more days. Selfishly, we wanted a lot more days with him. But that was his journey. It was one day. And the truth is, it doesn't matter if your journey is one day or 10,000 days. The point of the journey isn't how long it is or how many steps you take. The point is where you're arriving at. It's not the length of the journey. It's where you are when you finish. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, this one-day way to live. Yeah, so we want you to open your Bibles to Lamentations chapter 3. And would you stand in honor of God's word? Just follow along with me. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. You can be seated. Here God gives us the secret to living the one day way, and it is the only way to find hope when life gets hard. And we're gonna dig in for the next few minutes, so let's look at Lamentations 3.20. The writer says, I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. He says, I'll never forget this awful time. I will never get over this loss. And folks, there's some hurts you will never get over in life. There's some losses that you will never get over. You won't get over it, but you will get through it with God's power and God's love. 
You won't get over it. It will change you, but you will get through it because of the Lord Jesus. See, the one-day way is not about forgetting the pain and the loss from your past. It's not about pretending it didn't happen. It's not about stuffing down that pain and blocking out that hurt because whenever you stuff down your grief and you try to pretend it's not there, you try to forget about it and, and just go on to the next step without grieving, it's gonna come out in some crazy destructive way. It may come out in a destructive habit or an addiction or a crazy midlife crisis, but whenever you stuff down your grief and you don't grieve in that step and you skip over that step, it's gonna come out and it's gonna hurt you deeply. It's gonna be destructive. And so it's not about forgetting the pain, it's about getting through the pain and grieving is good. The writer of Lamentations says, I've gotta grieve what I've lost. Grieving is good, grieving is of God, grieving is a gift from God that helps us heal from our hurts. The problem is we don't like to grieve in our culture. We think we should always be happy. And if I don't feel happy, then I'm gonna do something to make myself feel happy. We may take something to make us feel happy. We may, you know, hang around others and, and, and try to, you know, keep our lives really busy. But when we put our head on the pillow at night and the emptiness sinks in, we know something's not right. For you see, we're always trying to be happy and we want everyone around us to be happy. We don't like to grieve. We want everyone to get over it. We think we should get over it and everyone else should get over it but it doesn't work that way. You can't make anyone else get over it because everyone grieves in different ways. You just have to walk through it one step at a time, one day at a time. And so you'll never get over it, but you will get through it. You see, pain changes you. God wants the pain to change you for the better, but it's either better or bitter, and the difference is one letter, I. I get to choose if I allow God to make me better through the pain or I get bitter through the pain. Pain never leaves you where it finds you. Pain always changes you so you're never the same again after the hurt. But that's okay. Josh and Kelly, when they lost their son and our grandson, Jude Samuel, will never get over it. They will never be the same again. It changed them forever. They can't go back to the way they were before. We can't go back to the way we were before, but that's good. You see, they want to be different from it. They don't wanna ever get over it because God has done so much in their life and continues to. And so pain never leaves you where it finds you. So when you try to get over it and you skip over the step of grieving, then you miss out on those changes that God wants to bring. You'll never get over it, but you will get through it with God's power. You can find hope in the hardest day of your life. And that's why in the next verse, the writer of Lamentation says, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. He says, I'll never get over this hurt. I will never forget this awful time. And yet, I still dare to hope because I know that God's love and God's mercy and God's faithfulness will never run out. I don't feel it right now, I don't see it right now, but I know right now 
God's faithfulness will never run out. And I'm gonna experience God's faithfulness and his mercy and love today, this day, this one day. And that's the reason we wanted to share this really crucial truth with all of you, that it was a hard lesson for us to learn, but because every single one of us have past hurts in our lives, or maybe you're going through a really tough time right now in your life, and everything in you wants to either take a step backward and go back into the way it used to be, or jump ahead a long ways and get out of this this section of your life that seems so hard, you just wanna be somewhere else. And we spend our lives wanting to either go backward or jump way ahead, but remember, it doesn't work that way. Life is a series of steps, one direction, one direction, one step at a time, and you can't skip over any of them. And so that's why we want you to get this because we really believe that for every single one of you, and I know for us, this has been transformational in our lives. Now in uh, Lamentations, uh, the next verses in 22 and 23, it says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. The key, the secret to living this one day way is found right here in these verses. God wants you to know him. God wants you to know him. He wants you to know and understand about his character. He already knows about you. He knows the number of hairs on our heads. Scripture says he knows our thoughts, our words, before they even come out of our mouth. He knows us through and through and through. He knew you in your mother's womb before you were fully formed. He knows you, and he wants you to know him. An essential quality of his character that he wants to get through to us is his mercy. And what mercy represents is his loving kindness. He is so kind to us, his compassion. He cares for us. And the way he lets us learn about him and get to know him and know his character is by providing new, fresh mercies every single day of our lives. Every single day, new, fresh mercies. Now, we can see this really clearly in the Israelites. In the Old Testament, the Israelites, if you remember, they were wandering through the desert. They wandered in the desert for a time because they couldn't farm because they hadn't yet arrived at the land that had been promised to them. So they were wandering, they were traveling, they were on their way. So they couldn't stop and plant crops and wait for them to be harvested. And so this is what God did for them. He provided for their needs in a miraculous way by providing a substance called manna that was there on the ground. It came up with the dew each morning. It was on the ground. It was kind of like frost. And the Israelites would go out and gather manna and they would eat it. And it had all the nutrients, whatever they needed for sustenance. They, none of them ever went hungry. And the, the word manna actually in Hebrew literally means, what is it? And so you can use that sometime, you know, when you're your husband or wife cooks something and you're not quite sure about it, just say, manna? Oh, manna? What is it? What is it? But this dew was there. So you have to remember, the Israelites had just come out of slavery in Egypt. They left Egypt and were set free and the Lord provided for them. They're now wandering, trying to get to the promised land. They're in the desert. And this desert time was really important. Now, they had just been slaves for a long, long time. And most or many of us understand how the darkness of another's sin can really distort our understanding of God. And so 
they come out of that slavery time into the desert. And the Israelites are in the desert, and it's a very special time because the desert season was an intimate time. God wanted his people to get to know him really well. And so he had them there in the desert, and he provided for them. He gave them manna every single day, one day at a time. The manna would come up. They would collect it, except for the before the Sabbath. They actually could collect two days worth, so they wouldn't have to collect on the Sabbath. But other than that, the rest of the week, it was one day at a time. Well, now, why not just go out and collect a week's worth? Well, apparently some people tried that because the Bible tells us that um, if they tried to do that, they tried to collect more manna than they needed for the day and just think, I'm going to save it up and not have to work tomorrow. I won't have to go out and gather. Then it was just a rotted mess in their tent by morning. It was just putrid and rotted. And so they had to go out and collect manna every day. Now, why did God do it this way? Well, I sure don't understand all the reasons God does what he does, but one thing seems pretty clear here in the way that God provided manna. I mean, he could have done it any way he wanted to, right? He's God. He could have just had a giant storehouse in the desert that they could go get manna from um, as much as they wanted all the time. But instead, every single morning, there it was, and they were to go out and collect it. And I really think that it was because this was a really clear, practical reminder of who it was that was providing for them. They could be under no illusions that it was because of their own wit or you know, their own ingenuity that they were able to survive and thrive in the desert. No, they literally went to bed each night with nothing for the next day or any of their future. Can you imagine being in a desert, going to sleep at night, and knowing that if God didn't come through for you, you'll never eat again. You're dead. You are dead in the desert. They went to sleep each night not having anything of their own for the next day. And then the next morning, sure enough, God had provided, and there it was. Now, I think if it was me, I would have been really anxious. I don't think I would have slept the first few nights at all. I would have been thinking, what if it's not there? What if I'm going to die? Maybe this is it. What, what do I do? What am I going to do? You know, do I go out and try to run in some direction in the desert? No, that's not going to work. You know, it's, it's you know, so, so far to get to any settlement. I'm, wow, I will die. Is this my last night? And I think my mind would have been spinning. But day by day by day, God provided. They opened their tents in the morning, step outside, and there it was again. There it was again. There it was again. God had provided. And that is a, a great picture of exactly how we felt during this time that we were going through with our grandson Jude, that God, you know, I don't even know how we're going to make it through the, tomorrow. But yet, sure enough, God would provide. Every day, day by day, he would provide. We couldn't grab provisions or strength from yesterday. We couldn't steal any from tomorrow. It was just the day we were in. And that day, God provided all we needed. It's really the, our true situation all the time. It's just that living through this really hard time where we needed God's strength day by day, every day. That's when we finally realized, wow, this is how it is all the time. And all our provisions come from him. That's really what grace is, by the way. You know, when you say grace before a meal, it seems sometimes kind of like a ritual, like, oh, we're just going to say this. It's easy to forget why we do. It's just a simple acknowledgement that all we have comes from him every day. Yeah, you may have extra food in your freezer or your refrigerator, your pantry. There's a grocery store down the road. 
you may feel, you know, not be able to see it. And I think that in a lot of ways, that's, again, why God did it this way. It's, it's just a representation of, you know, he's providing for us day by day. He is our only source. And when Jesus taught us how to pray, he said the Lord's Prayer, and I think all of you have heard it before. Part of that is, give us this day our daily bread. Only seven words, seven little words, two of them speak to the immediacy of the way God provides for us. Give us this day, our daily bread, just for today. Give us what we need, Lord. Stay in today. We can't hoard his provisions. His mercies are new and fresh every single morning because he wants us to know him, to understand him. He wants us to know how kind and loving he is, that he will provide for us, that we can count on him. In Matthew 6, 34, it says this, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. So just stay in today. Stay in today, one day at a time. Look at Lamentations 3.26. He, he says, so it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. See, sometimes God's new mercy is a day of waiting. Sometimes the new blessing that God gives us for the new burden we have is waiting. I hate the day of waiting. Have you ever been in a day of waiting? You're in the day of waiting. You're waiting on God to come through, but he's not coming through the way you think he should come through. And God is slow in answering your prayers. It seems like God is nowhere around. Have you ever been in the day of waiting? I get so frustrated sometimes in the day of waiting because I'm waiting for God to come through and he's not coming through on my timetable. And I don't know what he's doing. But here's the thing. The day of waiting is good. It's part of God's mercy that's new for that day because God wants you to learn to receive his mercy that day in the day of waiting because in the day of waiting, God is still working. Just because you can't see him doesn't mean that he's not working. In the day of your waiting, God is still working. When I am waiting, God is working. Just because I can't see him, it doesn't matter. He's still working, so I need to let him work. The problem is we often short circuit God's working in the day of waiting. We often step in and we try to work for God or, or we try to fix it or we try to work the miracle ourselves when God is working behind the scenes under the surface and we can't see it, but he is working in the day of waiting. Years ago, Chris and I were in Paris teaching at a conference and afterwards we took the bullet train through the channel to go to London, and of course the channel is that huge tunnel that just goes for miles underneath the English Channel. And at first, it's just like a regular train where you're above ground and you look out over the countryside as we were going from France to England, and it was just beautiful countryside. You could feel the progress. You're going really fast. You know you're on, on the way to London, and then it goes underground, and then it goes under the ocean. And all you can see out the window is just dark. It's just black. You're just in a tunnel and it feels kind of freaky, kind of claustrophobic and it just goes on and on and on and on. But Chris and I didn't get up and run around all anxious and freaked out and then open the door and jump off the train just because we couldn't see what was happening outside. Just because we couldn't see 
where it was going. No, we just stayed seated, remained calm, even though it felt kind of freaky, even though it just kept going on and on and on, because we knew that eventually the train would come out of the tunnel and we would be in London. And sometimes you're on God's train and you know deep in your heart that God is taking you exactly where he wants you to go, taking you to that next level, but you look out and you can't see what God is up to. And then it starts to freak you out a little bit. It feels totally uncomfortable. It may be painful and you look out and it's just black and you can't see that God is even there. And you wanna get up and jump off the train and some of you, that's what you're about to do because you're in a, a dark tunnel right now. You're on God's train and he's taking you right where he wants you to go and he is still working even though you can't see him working and you look out the window of God's train and you can't see God, you can't see God working. It feels like God is nowhere around and some of you are about to jump off the train. You're about to say, well, I don't even know if I believe in God anymore. I, I can't see what he's up to. Why would he allow this in my life? I'm not even sure that God cares about me, that God loves me. You're about to jump off the train. Some of you are about to jump off the train and, and say, I've just got to fix this myself. You know, I'm going nowhere. This is going nowhere. I'm following God, trying to do what God wants me to do, and I'm taking these steps, and it's like I'm going backwards. I can't see anything. Nothing makes sense. And you're about to jump off the train. Don't you dare jump off the train before it gets to where God wants to bring you because he has new blessings for your new burdens and he's gonna take you exactly where he wants you to go for your good and for his glory. And so don't short circuit God's plan for your life in the day of waiting just because you can't see what God is doing. In the day of waiting, God is working and that's where he does his greatest work and that's where he teaches us to depend upon him each and every day. And we find exactly what we need. In Lamentations 3.24, it says, I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. See, I have hope in my hardest day, even in the day of waiting, because the Lord is my inheritance. Now, as some of you students out there know that one day you'll probably get a pretty good inheritance because your parents have worked hard and made some really good financial decisions and they're doing really well and, and, and you're thinking maybe one day I'm gonna get a really good inheritance. And then for others of you, your parents' philosophy is, may the last check bounce. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, you know, they ain't gonna leave you nothing because they're enjoying life right now. God bless them. And I want you to know why they're doing that. It's all out of love for you because they're just sparing you from fighting with your siblings over what's left, okay? They wanna spare you from that pain. They want you to get along with your siblings, and so God bless them for doing that. But we know that an inheritance always comes later, and someone's got to die for you to get an inheritance. That's the bad thing about it. But here's the thing, Jesus Christ already died on the cross and he rose again and he's alive. And so your inheritance in Jesus, you can have right now today, this day, this one day, whether it's a day of waiting, whether it's a day of rejoicing, whatever it may be, a day of darkness, Jesus Christ is right there and you can experience your inheritance, Jesus Christ. And it's not so much in the gifts he gives, it's in himself, his presence. 
because in Christ you find power one day at a time. You find peace that the world can't understand when you're going through the dark tunnel and everyone sees that you have a peace about you. You remain seated. You're just relaxed. And it's a peace the world can't understand. It passes all understanding. And then you have his strength and you have his wisdom. He is your inheritance. And you can only really learn to depend on God in that day of waiting when you can't see what God is doing and it doesn't make sense, but you keep obeying anyway. You keep obeying, you keep obeying. You stay seated on the train. And in the day of waiting, you know that God is working. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean he's not working. He is up to something amazing and he is working for you. He is working in you and you have your inheritance, Jesus Christ, who will never leave you and never forsake you. Well, I want us to look at this next passage about hope. Lamentations 3.25, the Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. For you see, it's only in the day of waiting that we can learn to depend on God. In the difficulties of life, where we learn to depend on God one day at a time, because he's gonna come through for you just at the right time, because God's timing is always perfect. And so we learn to depend on him. And some of you are in that day of waiting right now and you're about to jump off the train. Don't you do it because here's the thing. The longer the wait, the greater the wave of God's blessing. God's blessings are just building. He's still working and he's building up the blessings. And sometimes as he gives you what you need for that day, he's building up some blessings for a few days from now, a few weeks from now, a few years from now. But you don't have to worry about that because he's building up the blessings, he's building up the blessings, and some people jump off the train right before the train hits the station of blessings that God wants to pour out, so don't you dare jump off the train. The blessing is just around the bend. It's just building up, and the longer the wait, the greater the wave. For you see, when the blessing comes later, it's always greater, and God has something amazing in store for you. If you're going through right now that day of waiting, waiting for God to come through, praying for God to come through, and you can't see what God is up to. He's just building up the blessing because he knows what's best for you. Don't you settle for something good. You settle for God's best. You wait for God's best. Don't settle for something that's okay. You wait for God's best because God's best is coming. The blessing is building. God wants to do something great in your life. Maybe you are in that hard place right now. Maybe you feel this massive burden of guilt or fear or failure or loss or betrayal, and you just don't even know how you're going to keep going. You continue to grasp for the past, continue to reach out for the future, but you feel stuck in today. You feel like, I I don't like this. I don't like where I am. You just want to sit down on the path, sit down on the trail of the journey and just say, I'm done. You know, I'm off the train. I give up. We have... Uh, a wonderful granddaughter named Mary Love. It's Jude's little sister. She is three years old. Darling, you know, curly blonde pigtails. Um, just a, a, the sweetest little girl, but boy, I spent a little time with her recently. She came over and she was gonna spend the night. And I, I thought, great, she came over. I sat her down at the table after making dinner for her. And she looked down at the plate and she said, mm, I can't like it. 
I said, can't like it. What do, you, what do you mean? Like, just, you haven't even tried it. Just take a bite, try it. You're gonna, I mean, I think, I really think you'll like it. I would not make something. I don't think you're gonna like this. It has all, I mean, I, this has you written all over it. Take a bite. I can't like it. I can't like it. I can't like it. It's just adamant. I can't like it. And you cannot reason with a three-year-old. Can't do it. Don't even try because they will, they're not going there with you. And the more you try, the more frustrated you get. And she, there's some stuff she just wouldn't even touch, wouldn't try it. I can't like it. And then it was time to get ready for bed, you know, take a bath, put on pajamas. I got her pajamas out that had been sent along with her by her mom and dad. And she looked at them and said, I can't like it. I can't like it. I said, you can't like it? What? These are yours. They're your pajamas. They came from you. Come on. Let's put these on. I can't like it. I can't. And she would just, you know, start stomping her feet and the tears came. I can't like it. Just refused to put those on. Thankfully, I had some other ones, you know, around the house. We, we put those on. I'm just trying to get to bedtime at this point. And we, it's time for bed. I said, okay, we're going to do the bedtime routine. One of my favorite things is to sit and read to them. So I pulled her up on my lap, and I had gotten a new book for this because I was looking forward to this time, this night of having her over to spend the night. I pulled her up in my lap and opened, I had a book in front of her, started to open it, and she said, I can't like it. I can't like it. I said, Mary Love, I haven't even started reading this yet. You don't know that you don't like it. Come on, let me, let's, let's read the story, and then you can tell me if you like it. Again, don't even go there. Don't try to reason with them. No, she did not want that one. She wanted, there was one that she'd seen, you know, read before at our house, and that was the book she wanted. She was not hearing any of it. I can't like it. Just, adamant. I can't like it. And as I was trying to reason with Mary Love one more time, I could just hardly help myself. And as I was speaking to her, I heard the Lord speaking to me. And he said, you say that you can't like it before you even try what I'm trying to give you. You say, I can't like it when I try to have you taste something new, maybe something, a new way of doing things in a relationship, a new way of operating, a new way of working, a new thing. You say, I can't like it. And you grip your teeth closed just like Mary Love in the same kind of way. You're determined. I'm not, I can't like it. I've already, I'm not going to. And before you try on a new role, you, you, you look at Mary Love and think, why can't you put these pajamas on? What's the big deal? Well, just, just try. No. When I try to put something new on you, a new role, a new relationship that I want you to cultivate, you'll say, I can't like it before you even try it. And when I begin to read the first page of a new storyline, in the book of your life, you say, I can't like it. I can't like it before you even let me read the story to you. He told me, he told me about myself. Have you ever been told about yourself? Somebody <laughs> told you about yourself? Every single thing that I had tried to explain and seemed so clear to me about the way Mary Love was acting was exactly the way I treat God. Because I pre-decide what I will and will not take from his hand. I pre-decide as if he's a God who's going to give me bad things. And really, that was the heart behind what I was trying to reason with with Mary Love. It's like, 
do you really think, is there any evidence that I would give you bad, you know, some kind of poisoned meal, Mary Love? Come on. Like, whatever I give you, I'm not going to give you something bad. I love you. You know I do. I've always shown love for you. No, I can't like it. You know, I've never put clothes on her that secretly had spikes on the inside and were going to scratch and hurt her. No, I would never do that. That's not who I am. Could she not see that? I wouldn't read a, a scary horror bedtime book to her to try to scare her out of her wits. I'm not going to read some murder mystery to her. I'm going to read her something I know that will be good for her. She will enjoy because that is my relationship with her because I love her. Yet I doubt everything that comes from God's hand. I want to test it out. I'm not sure. I can't trust you, God. I don't know if you're going to give me something that's good for me or really bad for me. And scripture talks about, you know, how when, when you as parents, as human parents, you'd never give a bad gift to your child. Why would we think that our perfect heavenly father would give something bad to us? Yet I have to say that when, during our experience with Jude, I fought against it every single step of the way. We fought on our knees, but I was also, boy, was I talking to God and telling him, no, I can't like it. It has to be different because I can't like it. I can't. I can't do this. This is not the way it's supposed to go. Parents are not supposed to bury their children. Grandparents are not supposed to bury their grandchildren. I can't do it. I can't. But God so tenderly and gently pulled us close to him, pulled Josh and Kelly close, all of us, and he walked us through it. And yes, humanly, you better believe I wish he was here. 110%. In a, in a heartbeat, but yet it is well with my soul. I am at peace because I know that my father, who I love and I know from spending time with, he would not do this if this wasn't the best way. I trust him. I trust his way. I trust that, yeah, the journey of a 10,000 steps or one step it really is the same. See, our journey is not to Hawaii. Our journey is to God. That's where our journey is. We're on our way to becoming like Christ. Yes. The Bible says it's our goal to please God. Well, how do we please God? Become like his son. Become like his son. And the way he does that is not our business. The way he, I trust that he chooses to bring into my life exactly what I need to mold this lump of clay into something resembling his son. And so that's what the journey is. The journey is taking one day at a time, day by day by day, and trusting in him. Now, Carrie and I have four children. Family vacations, when our kids were little, they were brutal. I mean, it was not pretty. We would pile in, and, you know, you set out for the drive, and inevitably someone got car sick. You know, I mean... It, it, was, it was bad. Fists would start flying. We'd have to pull over to the side of the road and sort things out. And this didn't happen just once, but pretty, I mean, you could count on it. We travel together. And now as our family grows, guess what? There is just more room for trouble. But on travel days, when we're going somewhere on a travel day, we just know this is going to be hard. This is going to be a hard day. We go into it with that mindset. <laughs> we don't expect, I never expect when our family goes somewhere, literally anywhere, even to eat or something, I, I manage my expectations. This is going to be hard. We pray for the people in the restaurant on the way. Yeah. It's like, honestly, which restaurant are we going to run the experience for today? Yeah. 
I mean, I think if we ever fly together, that you know, I need to go around with like goodie bags to everyone around us and say, with a little note saying, I am so sorry, you know, that we are, we are by you. Please accept this as a peace offering. We, it's not pretty, but you know what? We know that. We, you know what? This is a travel day. It's a travel day. We have somewhere we want to go when we travel. When we go on, on a vacation, go, go somewhere together, there's, we're going to get there. It's going to be hard. It will, there's no way it's all going to go perfectly. But it, we're going to keep going. And we encourage each other even along the way. Come on, you, you step in, you help each other. Grab a stroller, grab, grab a, you know, take, take care of a child. Step, step out with the one who's screaming. It's the way it goes. This is a travel day. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be worth it. It changes our attitude about the whole day. You know, we, we don't little thing up and we go, what? I can't believe it. No, our whole attitude is determined by our expectations and our goal to get to the destination. And that's how it is in this life. You know, this day is a travel day. And so is tomorrow. And so is yesterday. We are traveling on our way to our destination, which is to be like Christ, to please God, to be with him. And so along the way, knowing, yeah, this is hard. The Bible tells us you expect trouble. It says in this life, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, be of good heart. God is taking care of you. And that's why we want you to know today is that this last verse, which is 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, it's what we trust in, but don't yet see that keeps us going. It's what we trust in, but don't yet see. And that's what makes days hard, right? Because in a day where it just looks like everything is hard, it's hard to keep going. You want to sit down and collapse. Keep going. Keep going. Don't give up. Because God has great things for you. He will keep making you more like his son every single day. He loves you. He's a good father. He wants you to know his character. And the only way to do that is to step into each day and experience what he has for you. Let's pray. Lord, the only thing that keeps us moving some days is knowing that the prize awaits, and that prize is you. And we thank you. We thank you for today. We even thank you for the hurts in our heart, knowing and trusting that you love us enough to allow us to be uncomfortable here for a little while so that we can be with you forever. This journey, this life, it's a road trip to you. And Lord, today we are homesick. We're homesick. We want to be with you. We long to be in a place where there are no more tears. And we are not there yet. So Father, just for today, please give us strength to lift up our heads and put a spring in our step. Help us to walk briskly and intentionally to you as a traveler, travelers who have an exact destination in mind. We have a map to get there. We refuse to complain about the muddy road and the cramped traveling conditions. Lord, help us to keep our focus on pleasing you, whether on the road or finally home with you. We cannot wait, Lord Jesus. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us, church, because as we kick off this great adventure, I, I just want you to keep your heart open and keep looking for God's miracles in your life this week because love is on the way. And I want to uh, share a word with you from 
that we feel like comes straight from our Jude in heaven through the book of Jude. In Jude 1, 1 and 2, the message paraphrase, it says, I, Jude, am a slave to Jesus Christ and brother to James, writing to those loved by God the Father, called and kept safe by Jesus Christ. Relax, everything's going to be all right. Rest, everything's coming together. Open your hearts, love is on the way. Hey, you keep your heart open because when you're hurt, we close down our hearts. And we look down rather than up. You look up today, keep your heart open because in this adventure, you're gonna see God bring you blessings, new blessings for the new burdens you have today. You're gonna see new mercies. You're gonna see miracles of God's faithfulness. So you keep your heart open, okay? Open your heart because love is on the way. It's coming. God promises it. He's gonna meet your needs right when you need them met. He loves you so much and he's so faithful. And Josh and Stephen wrote this song that really came right out of Josh's heart with the hurt that was in his heart, but yet the hope that is in his heart because love is on the way. Sing it like you believe it, and then this week, let's live it. Love is on the way. Let's thank the Lord Jesus for who he is because he is love. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.